now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. I am now checking the microphone. The microphone has been checked. Now I am recording. <sighs> what if I ended it right there? What if that was it? What if? Huh? What if? Remember that when you were a kid? This might be exclusively a boy thing. Uh, not to bring gender up so quickly, but I think it might have been a boy thing. We'd just be hanging out in like grade school, maybe even a little bit into middle school. You know, we're on the playground. I'd be like, what if like an alien came down right now and like shit on everyone's head? But then like when we ran in to go to the school, because we all had shit on our head, the school actually had turned into a spaceship and it like took us up in the, what if? It was just that. It was just constantly these uh, these these uh, ridiculous fantasies of what ifs, or or what if fake fighting? What if like I just punched you in the face like doosh, doosh, doosh. Yeah. Well, what if I hit you back right in the fucking balls like goosh, goosh, goosh. boys are idiots. Um. Boys are dumb animals, I've been known to say in the, my worldwide popular stand-up comedy routine. I thought of that because I, I had a comment on one of my uh, TikTok videos about my daughters. Uh, and they, they said some comment about how I was, it was like typical patriarchy. I was accused of being a part of the patriarchy, which I am, I guess. Um, but I thought it was kind of funny because in the same bit, I, I said, Boys are dumb animals, but somehow I she thought I was making boys seem superior to girls. I don't know. I did not respond. That's the fame level I'm at right now, everybody. Negative comments are beneath me. <laughs> Clearly not, because I'm telling you about them, but I have learned there's no good in responding. I don't know. I don't know what to do uh, as far as that goes. You can either over-explain. You can over-explain and try and be like, convince them you're not uh, sexist. Or, uh, you know, you can do the, the other thing where you just appear to be the greatest person in the world online. Like, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I'd be a little uncomfortable calling myself a male feminist. But if you're talking to me about, like, should women be as valued as men? Well, fucking of course. I wonder, okay, I'm going to look up the definition of feminism. Here we go. This is exciting. That's why you guys tune in. Feminism definition. The advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. Sure, I have zero problem with any of those words. I absolutely believe all those things. <clears throat> but here, here's, here's the issue. It's like, one, uh, I don't know if that's my word. You know? Like, if a woman says she's a feminist... 
uh, that makes a lot more sense than a man? I don't know. I might be overthinking that part of it. Uh, but this is my big, this is the thing. Everyone, not everyone, when I see people way over the top, men, way over the top, talking about feminism or like sort of social media publicly trying to be, uh, you know, a version of a man that maybe doesn't even exist. <laughs> That's how good they are. I always am distrustful. What are you hiding? What are you hiding, loud and proud male feminist? What shady shit have you done in your life? Uh, and there's a handful of cases uh, where my instincts have been proved right. You know, a lot of times those people aren't the best people. Um, so I don't know. Have I overthought this? Absolutely. I'm just saying. Uh, it might not be right, but when I hear a man say, I am a feminist, um, although I also agree with the definition of feminism, I'm always like, why not maybe sit this one out? Sometimes being a good ally is just shutting the fuck up. Being a good listener. I guess same goes for uh, any... Uh, Race issues, too. Does that sound bad to say race issues? I mean NASCAR. That's how racist you are. You thought I meant color of skin. Uh, there's a show on uh, HBO called... Don't know. Uh, Michael Che. It's a Michael Che sketch show. And uh, there's a very funny sketch where uh, he's trapped in the elevator with a white woman. <clears throat> and uh, I think she calls... Uh, She's describing people of color. I think she might even call him a person of color. And he, he, says, he says, why do you say that? Why do you say people of color? We picked a color. I'm black. It was such a funny line. Um, I butchered it. But check out that show uh, on the HBO. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, it's, 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 it's funny and it's also uh, a perspective uh, that's not really, at least since Chappelle show, uh, a perspective that hasn't really been, uh, used for humor. The kind of, you know, the kind of sketches where potentially no one could like them. And I don't, I don't, no, I don't mean because it's not funny. I mean, like, it could offend every side of the issue in the same sketch. And I feel like Chappelle did that as well. Um. Where it's like, if it's a sketch about racism, uh, you know, the racists look bad, uh, the people of color might look bad, you know. I mean, there's a greater point usually, but it's, it's, uh, it's, there's not a lot of, well, I guess that's why he's on HBO, but it's, there's not a lot of uh, sketch comedy that's like taking risks like that. There's not a lot of sketch comedy that's, uh, you know, plenty on YouTube, but there's not a lot. Uh, on cable or television that's uh, taking big swings like that. And I say that as a comedian who's literally never taken a big swing. A lot of bunts. A lot of trying to get the runner in scoring position. A lot of hitting the ball to the right side with a runner on second with less than one out.
Uh, I did some shows. I'm a comedian. I don't know what the fuck you heard. I do comedy. Um, I did some shows in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho uh, with my pal Casey McLean. That was pretty fun. We stayed at an Airbnb um, in Spokane, uh, which was nice. We, <laughs> we really almost took our relationship to the next level. Well, I mean, we kind of did. Not sexually. That's still, you know, we're not there yet. But uh, we, uh, I guess I'm blowing up his spot a little bit, but Casey forgot to pack underwear. He forgot. No, I didn't let him borrow some of mine. Uh, so he went to buy underwear. And uh, I'm like, I should buy some underwear. <clears throat> um, I'm kind of updating my underwear, you know. I like my underwear to have a story. Like, oh, yeah, these are from Spokane. <laughs> these are from Richland, Washington. Oh, I remember why I had to get those. Uh, but the, one of the, at the Fred Meyer, the first pair of underwear that I was going to buy and he was going to buy, it was buy one, get one half off. So we were going to go teamsies on two packets of underwear. Uh, luckily, we got a different brand. So we had to, we got separate purchases, but that's, that's a whole new level. That's a, that's a whole new level of friendship when you're going to have these on uh, undergarments. But we had some good shows. Friday night in Coeur d'Alene was, uh, eh, I guess, not that well attended. Uh, Saturday was a little better. You know, I know you guys don't care about the economics of comedy, but we had a door deal. We did okay. We did we didn't do amazing, but we did okay. Um kind of sucked because it although it was a nice looking room downstairs of a restaurant, like the music, especially Friday, the music was uh kind of blasting from upstairs. I would say at a volume where like if I put up a stand-up comedy clip on YouTube from me during that show, it would get a copyright strike against it. Because you would you would hear Cheryl Crow from upstairs. All I wanna do is have some fun, and I, you know, I'm just trying to tell my jokes. And you can't really tell why you're talking, but you can't constantly talk. So the second, you know, whatever, the laugh dies, or there's a pause, and just the moment, the magic moment of the pause is ruined. You know, I'm gearing up for the big finale. So the bartender says, Doc, I thought you said fuck. But it's not the same because it goes, So the bartender says, and blasting from upstairs is, Love Shack, baby, Love Shack. Really ruins the duck, I thought you said fuck part. <sighs> comedy, stand up comedy is such a fragile, fragile little bitch. It, it really. Doesn't take a lot to throw it off. <laughs> but it was still good. Good shows. It was fun. I did a show in Missoula uh, on Sunday by myself. Finally got to get rid of Casey. Good Lord. Yeah, I'll go underwear shopping. No, let's go have these, you weirdo. Um, actually, I think that was my idea. Um, yeah, I did a show in uh, Missoula at the Giggle Box, um, which was great. It was actually the exact, 
I mean, it was a weird room. Uh, it was in a mall. <laughs> the Giggle Box is somewhat of a performance area, but also it's like a, I guess, a art museum. Just a bunch of weird rooms, and you know, they're like, go down <laughs> past the blue statue, and when you get to, you know, some weird painting, that's where the bathrooms are, and uh, it was a closed down mall, which made I, I go to the show. And uh, people are exiting the mall, and then, like, I'm trying to get in. It's like at 6 p.m., the show's at 7, and, like, they had to, like, literally hold the door open for people to get in. Uh, so it seemed like it was going to be a weird show. Maybe it was a weird show, but it was uh, a bunch of fun. How awesome is this place? This is cool, huh? Yeah. Round of applause for the giggle box, please. First show I've done in an art studio, <laughs> museum, in a closed mall. <laughs> I'm gonna cross this up my bucket list after I write it on there later. It's the scariest bathroom directions I've ever heard in my life. When you feel like you're on acid, pee. <laughs> Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. It's, 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 uh, it's nice to get out a little post-pandemic life. Or maybe it's not post-pandemic, but fuck it, we're here anyway. Yeah! <laughs> nice! It's nice to not wear a mask, although I don't know if Montana did. Uh, <laughs> you're not really trendsetters in a lot of things, but not wearing a mask, way ahead of the game. <laughs> That show was so well-behaved. Also, I want, I don't know if they're listening, but Bone Dry Comedy, that's a, like a, a group in uh, Montana, that really, that the show was basically sold out, which is probably like 40, 50 people. I'm not good at numbers. But it really was because of them. Uh, they were like their street team. They were, you know, they got, they did a lot of work to get people in that building, which uh, is much appreciated. Um, but it was, I guess it was BYOB, you know, because you can't sell drinks at an art museum in a mall. Uh, and there was one group that brought a cooler with alcohol, but no one else had alcohol. And look, I am team alcohol. You know that. But man, that really can help a comedy show. I mean, usually the only other time you get the experience is like a theater. Some theaters have alcohol. You know, I did a theater in Enumclaw, and you could hear people cracking PBRs during the show, and you're like, oh, it's that kind of theater, okay. But usually, like at a theater, you're like, oh, the audience is so well-behaved, and there's no wait staff making noises, and people aren't ordering things. And But usually, usually if after the show, you're like, wow, you could hear a pen drop in between jokes, or that audience was so well-behaved, it's in a theater that, you know, hopefully a bunch of people are in. But... Since there was no alcohol at the giggle box, the experience of a super incredibly attentive, sober crowd for 45 people in a tight space was pretty cool. And I know, I'm, uh, my job is mostly to sell uh, alcohol and chicken strips. I understand that. I know it's not doable. But that was pretty nice. A, t a tight packed room full of attentive people not drinking holy shit where do i go for more of those uh not that they were like 
afraid to talk to me. I mean, you know, I did have a little fun with him. Buffets are going to be tough to explain to the aliens. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. If you go to a restaurant, if you, I don't know where you would go. If you go to Applebee's. Do you have an Applebee's? Yeah. All right, I'll stick with that example. If you go to... I'm sorry. Like it's an insult to... If you didn't have an Applebee's? Is this a real fucking town? You got an Applebee's? I'd be impressed if you didn't, honestly. That's what I say before I book any show. Do they have an Applebee's? I will perform. Wait, one more question. Will the mall be closed? One more question. Is there only one door that works? <laughs> All right, I'll be there. Then. <laughs> I was trying to get to my show. I'm like, hello? <laughs> Guess I'll just go back to Applebee's. <laughs> That's a city size issue. If. <laughs> If you go to Seattle or Portland and you say, hey, is there an Applebee's here? It's like a shame thing. Like, ah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't even go there because, you know, they don't have a vegan menu. But yeah, we got one. If you go to Missoula, Montana and like, do you have an Applebee's? They're like, yeah, fuck yeah, we have an Applebee's. This is a real city, asshole. <laughs> Also, I, I, I talked to someone uh, in the crowd who was their own high school sweetheart, which uh, was a fun moment for me. I wish we were high school sweethearts. Are there any high school sweethearts here? It's so adorable. Oh, what? your point, you, are you? A... No, with them, but yes. Okay, <laughs> I've never asked if there's any high school sweetheart, sweethearts and someone pointed to a woman by herself. <laughs> yes, she's been in love. <laughs> Good for you. You found yourself early. That doesn't happen for everyone. Some people don't find themselves until much, much later. You're so blessed that that happened at such a young age for you. I'm in love! Where's, where's that person? Oh, at home. I, 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 thought, I really thought you were about to say, I don't know. Who gives a shit? It's been a long time now. You know? Shit changes from high school. We're not talking about fucking geometry class anymore. <laughs> I'm in love! I have a voice like an angel who can't sing. I have the musical ability of an angel who is on their first harp lesson. <laughs> That'd be great if you got to heaven and it was like an angel's first day. They're just plucking away at their harp. It's not even beautiful. Boom, 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 boom. What? Is that smoke on the water? Heaven's going to rule. There's an unnecessary uh, thing. No, it is necessary. That's what I meant to say. There's a necessary evil in comedy where uh, we as comedians have to annoy each other for contact information. Uh, 
like I, you know, I did. I had like two or three people reach out to me, other comedians about doing Cordelaine. I had two or three reach out about. I saw you're doing a show in Missoula. How do you hook me up with that? Like, and I, I have to do it too. It sucks. You know, it's the kind of messages where you have to pretend like, "What's up, man? Remember that time we were?" Anyway, Gigglebox in Missoula. Is that a door deal or? Uh. You know, and I have to do it, too. I, I try to sound genuine about it, and I try not to, you know, uh, be too fake about the whole thing. But I'll, I'll be honest, I wish I was a little less approachable. I worked with a guy at the Looney Bin Comedy Clubs once. Uh, he was the host. Uh, nice guy, you know. Uh, and he sent me a couple of messages over the... Cup past couple of years, uh, and I don't know. I if he, I'm not saying his name, so it doesn't matter anyway. But if he if he's listening, I'm not mad at you. I'm just using this as an example. Uh, <clears throat> this is the message I got from him quite a while ago now, actually. But hey, bud, I'm already out. Hey, bud, I need some sort of credits. Was hoping you had some insight on how to get a TV credit. Is it just knowing someone, or is there a way to apply to get on a show? Thanks for any help. Listen, bud, if I if I knew how to get TV credits, I'd have more. I'd have more. I didn't go three or four is enough. I think I've made my point. And also, I mean, it's almost... Uh, I don't know. You're hosting. All right, here's my response. He caught me on an honest day, and that this is what I responded. I don't really know anything to, to submit to right now, and yet kind of is knowing someone, and also having known management submit to a show for you is a big part of it. Not that I have that. Also, I don't mean this to be discouraging, but you might be putting the cart before the horse a little bit. You don't really go from hosting the loony bin to doing a Tonight Show spot. Keep getting better and try to up your social media following. I'm not great at that myself, but that seems to be more important than ever. No response. That was a couple months ago. I guess I was supposed to say something else, but... What am I supposed to say? Email this guy. Tell him I sent you. You'll get on Comedy Central. I don't... I'd be doing better if I was so connected. You don't even go from headlining the Looney Bend to doing the Tonight Show. I tried. But it is weird when people want to skip steps. Don't get me wrong. You can skip steps if you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have a million TikTok followers or Instagram followers. Yeah, you can skip some steps then, but like... I make $200 uh, for doing... Six shows hosting in Little Rock, Arkansas. I think I'm ready for the next step. Well, yeah, the next step's middling those shows for 500. <laughs> Slow your roll, bud. But uh, honestly, that's what that person did is probably would have served my career better if I was a little more annoying. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a nuisance. Uh, but yeah, to just be like, how do I get on TV? Send. 
I don't, what the fuck, man? I mean, that's almost like what people who aren't comedians do to comedians. Like, you know, you're on the airplane and they're like, you should get a Netflix special. And you're like, okay. Should I just, uh, do you think that's info at showbusiness at gmail.com? Do you think that's what it is? Uh, but that's almost like, that's from the comedian perspective, like to ask another comedian, how do you get on Netflix is, uh, I don't know if it's your close friend. Sure. They'd probably tell you if they were on Netflix, how they got on Netflix. Uh, but that's a little weird. Hey, remember we worked together for a few days? Please give me all the benefit of your experience. I mean, ask me a question about jokes. Ask, ask me a question about, do, do you have a booker info for this club? That's fine. I got no problem with that. I need some TV credits. You and me both, buddy. It's not like I did Comedy Central in 2009 when you were in sixth grade and was like, that's enough for me. Why would I want to do that again? Now I'm being a grumpy old man. Uh, I guess speaking of being grumpy, I, uh, my firstborn, Johnny, Johnny G. Rutledge, uh, he graduates from high school next week. I can't fucking believe it. I'm not ready. Uh, forget if he's ready. I'm not ready. Uh. I mean, in bad times, like when he would, was a toddler, I would have the thought, this is before we had other children, I'd, I'd, I'd do the math and I'd be like, man, you know, a screaming two-year-old. And I'd be like, 16 more years till he leaves the house. It was like a sentence. And now that those 16 years are up, actually he just turned 19, uh, I'm like, oh, don't go. Where are you going? You can't go. Um, he's not going that far. He's going to go to college four miles from my house. I'll see, I'll see him. But, you know, he's going to live there. It's a weird, weird feeling uh, of, I don't know, just the finality of it. Like, oh, shit, that part of his life and my life is done? I can't even, I, it's, you know, that's how parenting is, where you're like, it happened, you snapped your fingers and 15 years went by, but also like, it also seems like 50 years. I also can barely remember not having children. Uh, but I was, I was thinking about this, because uh, I was writing about it uh, in my book that will come out in 2027. Um, you know what, maybe I'll just read it. That's what I'll do. Good practice for when I'm going to do an audio book. It's, it's brief. Don't worry. Uh, huh? Definition of feminism. Nope, already covered that. Uh, okay, I'm, it's like two paragraphs. <clears throat> but it's what's, what, it's what's been rolling through my head uh, when I wrote the book last year and then also revisiting it this week because it's next, next week. He's done with high school. 
Uh, all right. Uh, this is Gabriel Rutledge. Uh, I'll be reading from the untitled, unfinished book called... Whoa, what a fucking year that was. <laughs> I should probably work on the title. There's a harsh finality to his age and sudden impending adulthood. An exciting new beginning for him, for sure, but there's also a loss. Embarking on a new journey means the old one is concluded. His childhood is somehow ending. Obviously, we'll never stop being his parents, and our love and concern for him is everlasting along with our misguided and usually dismissed attempts at guidance, but our seemingly impossible project of trying to turn a helpless screaming infant into a self-sufficient, decent person will be over. Incomplete as he may be, the assignment is due. We have to turn him in and be graded. It's like he was born a pile of bicycle parts, and for his entire childhood, Christy and I have tried to assemble him. Just a lifetime of tinkering. I think that wheel is loose. We should do something about that. That squeak is getting louder. Yeah, I'll be home next weekend. We should really work on the bike. But now we're out of weekends and out of time and out of chances. Whether it's a structurally sound bicycle or not, it's done. We're done. We just have to watch him wobble and lurch down the road and away from us while we silently plead to the world to please be gentle on him. We're sorry he's not ready yet. We thought there would be more time. We actually still have a bunch of screws in a bag that we never figure out where they go. That concludes the reading of an untitled book called 2020. Even in hindsight, it's unclear. Uh, <clears throat> that's how I'm feeling right now. That's how I'm feeling. Like we, you know, fuck, we should have got him ready. He's not ready. Is that our fault? Is that his fault? Does every parent feel that way? Probably. But, uh, you know, I also know he can't stay here. He can't stay here, uh, <laughs> debating his youngest 10-year-old sister. That's also not the natural order of life. Uh, he, he's got to go out there, but man. I uh, I wasn't ready to be this old. I wasn't ready to be this not ready. You know, man, that journey from that journey from uh, bottle feeding and ass wiping to like, I'm gonna major in education. I'm like, what the fuck happened? How? What? Wow. Uh, so it's a melancholy time at the old Rutledge house. And, uh, but also, you know, I'm proud of him. And uh, I'm excited because, you know, he's probably not the most mature kid in the world. So it's like, hey, your life is going to drastically change uh, in the next four years. And I'm excited to see uh, what those changes bring. Uh, I'm at uh, Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Glendale, Arizona, June 25, 26. Uh, I'm in Salem, Oregon, July 3rd. Uh, Wenatchee, July 10th. Talent, Oregon, July 15. Medford, Oregon, July 16, 17. Portland, Oregon at Helium uh, in the parking lot at 5 p.m. on July 18th, the Sunday. Uh, 
those are some shows I got coming up. Also, uh, a little farther down the road, uh, I'm going to Dubai. In September, I'm going to Dubai. What the fuck is happening? I'm going to go to Dubai for like 10 days. It doesn't even pay that good. Um, but like, you know, it's like five shows. Uh, they fly you there. You get five-star hotels the entire trip. You don't, they pay for three meals a day. For, so there's zero expenses to go to Dubai. And I get to come home with a little bit of money. Um, so I can't read. I didn't even know you, we were allowed to travel to Dubai right now. I don't even think I can go to Canada. But I can go to Dubai? Anyway, for all my United Arab Emirates fans, uh, <laughs> come see me in September. UAE! Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you to the uh, people who support this podcast, not just with your ears, but with your bank account. Uh, for as little as 99 cents a month, you can give this podcast money. And I can buy Kleenex to dry my tears about my son graduating from high school. Um, thank you for everyone who does that. Uh, in the episode notes, if you would like to do that, Click support this podcast or to RutledgeRadio.com. Click on support, and you can do that. Uh, much appreciated. For everyone else, this podcast is free and worth it. Show's over. We're done. Bye.